Hello listener, it's the host of Campbell's Football's Grant Campbell here, with a message to every one of you listening to this podcast. Please keep safe during this very stressful time with the outbreak of coronavirus affecting not just football, but our everyday lives. Make sure your friends and family are safe during this very stressful time for many of us, not just physically, but mentally too. But Campbell's Footballs will still be producing podcasts. However, there will be very few predictions because obviously there's not much football going on at the moment. I have a few in-conversation specials though, which I'm sure you would love to listen to. But at the end of the day, please make sure that you look after yourselves. Take the time to listen to the show in your own home, with friends and family. And remember that we are all in this together. So take care, be safe, and I'll see you soon. Well, we're back for another episode of Campbell's Footballs, uh, and I'm joined, uh, th- for this episode at least, uh, by Johnny Blaine. Johnny, a warm welcome to the podcast. No worries, thanks for having me on. No worries at all. Can you just give a little bit of a flavour to some of my listeners what you actually do? Um, I work as a football statistician, which sounds like it's full of number crunching and sort of bunkers down and watching games and crunching numbers. There's a lot of that, but really it's a lot of an editorial role where we get the data and filter out what's relevant for TV and what commentators might want or presenters mm. might want. Just obviously there's a lot of numbers, there's great numbers, but for my job in TV, there's a lot of numbers that aren't relevant and there's a lot of numbers that are, and we just sort of find the ones that are relevant for TV and radio and that sort of stuff. Oh, awesome. That sounds like a really interesting job that you have. What made you want to get into to sort of football in the first place? That's always my first question I ask my guests. And I, I think there's, um, always a, there's always a route in, and I want to know what your route into football was. I've been obsessed with football since my dad first took me to a game in, in the mid-late 80s. Um, but in terms of work, I always wanted to work in the media. I wanted to be a football commentator obviously when you're 15, 16 that's not going to happen so I just did the sort of standard work experience at newspapers and I ended up getting a job as a runner at Sky News Um, and it sort of fell I got a bit lucky somebody was due to do a shift start the shift the next day and they couldn't do it so they gave the boss my number and I sort of went in and did it and I just put my CV on a load of desks in the sports department Mm. I didn't specifically I didn't specifically know anything about stats or whether there was even a department Uh, but a year later one of the Sky Sports team of of the stats department sent me an email saying are you still around come for an interview and I said yeah I'm still here I'm still a runner and it was a 30 quick the full interview was a 30 question football quiz and you had to get 28 or more (laughs) Um, and I got 28 Um, and I got the job at Sky and I was there sort of six seven years and now I'm sort of freelance running my own team at the Premier League Mm. Premier League TV yeah. yeah yeah so I sort of went a lot of people go that route sort of runner work experience runner mm. sort of working your way up through the departments really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what and did your did your folks take you to football games um, you, you sound like you yeah 
Yeah. So my, so my family have always been Tottenham season ticket holders. Ah. Um, yeah. And my first home game was Oxford in 1987, which was actually Glenn Hoddle's last ever goal for Spurs. Um, so I've been hooked ever since. Season yeah. ticket holder. I don't get to use my season ticket as much as I'd like because of work mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been a season ticket holder since '87. Yeah, yeah. We'll just talk a little bit about Spurs because I, I don't know if you've been to the new stadium. Um, remarkable yeah, facility. Yeah. Remarkable yeah. facility. Yeah, have you been? I haven't. No, I, 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 I always watch it on telly, and uh, it seems a remarkable ground. I mean, all the. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Manchester United fan, and I and I I've been to Old Trafford a couple of times, and every time I go down, I think the stadium is amazing. But you've got the new grounds now coming in, like obviously the Emirates was sort of coming on the go, and obviously you guys have now got a stadium really fit for purpose. Now it really is fantastic. It is, it is without a doubt. I would say the best stadium in the world, but it should be because it's the mm. newest. But yes. what yeah. what they've done. Football fan experiences have changed now. People have a go at the bloke buying a pizza and taking it to his seat to watch the game. But that's where we're at with football now. Like it or not, football's coming that way. And the old White Hart Lane, you couldn't move. There's nowhere to move. The food was terrible. Yeah. And this, I'm happy. I'd happily. I would normally turn up at White Hart Lane five minutes before kickoff, watch the game, go home. Now I'm meeting my mates an hour before. We're having a drink. We're having some food. It's a great place. The football's been bloody awful, but the stadium's great. <laughs> and obviously, Josie Mourinho at the club at the moment. Obviously, Pochettino before that. I mean, what have what have you made of Josie since he's come in? You know, always a hard act to follow with Maurizio. I'm almost one of the few that are standing for Mourinho at the moment. Okay. I think I'd had enough of Pochettino. He got us to the Champions League final, which was obviously beyond our wildest dreams. Mm. He did have a lot of luck to get there and yep. you need that I'm not gonna t- I'm not, I, can't, I can't take that away from him but if you break it down we were we were 3-0 down with half an hour to go against Ajax mm. uh, on Ag- they were, they were, we weren't playing well at all in that period of the season started the season terribly I felt his race was run Mourinho came in mm-hmm. turned the tide and he's lost our best players Son and Kane you take yeah Salah and Firmino out, or Mane out of Liverpool for four months and well, they're going to suffer. Or, or take Rashford and Fernandez out of Man United. Yeah, if you have them for a long period of time. We sort of, Kane got injured. We just sort of turned a corner. Kane got injured. Then we sort of dipped a bit. Son found his feet. We won four games in a row or three games in a row. He then got injured again. Um, so, look, Mourinho's a negative manager. Mm. He may have gone a little bit, he may have gone a little bit too negative. Yeah. Um, but we don't have any strikers. That's very we true. Can't afford, yeah, yeah. We can't afford. To, I'm, I'm very much in the give Mourinho at least until the start of next. Sorry, six months into next season, whenever that, whenever that might be. Well, before exactly. we can judge. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree, and I, I like watching Tottenham. Um, I think they've got some really underestimated players. I know certainly many years ago when you had players like Luka Modric, Gareth Bale, you know, you, you had a lot of really good quality players in defence. You had Vertonghen and Alderweireld when they played together. Yeah. Certainly at the beginning, yeah. very, very solid uh, centre back partnership. But I just feel that they, they've just, they've just lost a little bit of identity, a little bit under Mourinho. That's my view, um, and that's you know maybe one that you disagree with. But I, I think you're, I think you're right. They have, um, but at the same time, we, we can. But maybe they're still like finding that. it. So maybe so they're, well, maybe they're still finding their their um, identity. I think it's hard to have you keep your identity when yeah. some of the biggest players in that team have been injured. Lloris yeah. even has missed half the games under Mourinho, and mm. again he 
he divides opinion, but he's a World Cup winning captain. Spurs would find it hard to find a better keeper. He missed a whole number of games. Kane, Son, the uh, £56 million pound new signing has been so unfit. I've never seen a more unprofessional, unfit football than uh, Tongi and Dembele. Mm. Um, he's, work, he's got a patched-up squad. Mm. And until he gets it together and buys the players he wants and puts the players he wants in the side... Mm. It lost. It had, you're right, but it it also lost its identity under Pochettino. A wee bit, certainly towards the end. I I would agree with that. Um, let's bring it a little bit back to yourself. Um, obviously, you're obviously a big Spurs fan. Who were your inspirers, both following Tottenham, but then also in your own career as well so far? Um, in terms of Tottenham, it's a good question. Uh, I love Teddy Sheringham. Brilliant player. But he went. He left to go to Manchester United. So Super that, player. Super player. Um, in terms of in terms of uh, work, it's a funny one to say because the guy who hired me, a gentleman called John Price at Sky, was always a bit of a funny character. I hope he's not. Well, I do hope he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mind me saying. Um, he was a bit of a funny character, but he. I came into the. It's quite a difficult job getting into stats, especially when I had no background, and he really. Yeah took me on and believed in me and I was making so many errors at the start of my career and at any point he could have gone this isn't for you um, but he stuck with me and worked hard with me and that was 20 years ago now um, so I think anyone that gives you that big break yeah. I'll always be really thankful for no, I agree with that um, that's that's away from Tottenham Tottenham is I'm a cent- I was I am a centre forward I'm a very happy Sunday morning centre forward <laughs> for me it's always, it's always been the strikers Sheringham Klinsman Berbatov Lineker Lineker Was that Lineker, a little bit Before your time No he, I did see a bit of Lineker Towards the end I have to say I've worked with Gary Lineker He wasn't my favourite person <laughs> So I kind of Sometimes they say Never meet your heroes And he was a hero Ah um, He was a hero But No I wouldn't put Lineker in that no, Interesting no. Interesting You mentioned Klinsman Fantastic player as well You know Did it so often for Germany Sharing him as I said You know Him and Solskjaer At Manchester United Obviously a great partnership I yeah. I mean you know, it's a real shame Because obviously Cole and York Were a very good partnership For many years as well Around about the same time um, Kane In recent times Has been Sensational for, for Tottenham And for someone who When he came on yeah, originally in his career we all looked at him thinking who's this bloke like he's not going to make mm. it mm. nobody thought for one second he was going to make it and funnily enough he actually turned his and Pochettino's career around at the same time he scored a very late winner at Aston Villa yeah um, I, I, think just, I remember uh, the game actually now you say that a deflected free deflected kick, free kick. Mm. He, yeah he went from strength to strength from then on and so did we mm. mm-hmm. he always holds a ball up so well Kane I remember he, I think it was against United actually he just I think it was the 3-0 game at uh, Old Trafford he just dominated him and I think it was Lamella had a super game that night and uh, well completely embarrassed Mourinho was United then right. but um, it's certainly not what I dread to remember but <laughs> there you go the game that you United won at Wembley when De Gea made all those saves yeah Kane, Kane got injured at the end of that game yeah um, he was absolutely the second half he was for me that's the last very good game Harry Kane has had mm. was January last year um, which seems a bold statement to make mm. but I feel he has had a little bit of a dip since the is, injuries is that because he's a little bit like Rashford at Manchester United there's this expectation to be that figurehead yeah. if you like yeah I also think he 
that game was the last game where he would he used to, he loves rolling a defender or getting a hit from a defender yes. bouncing off them and he got a kick right at the end from Phil Jones nothing I don't think it was intentional but it was <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> second, or, second or third ankle injury that he'd had and I just feel he's lost confidence in himself a little bit mm. um, but yeah he, you're right the expectation is is so high, but it would be with someone. Absolutely, you? absolutely. You you obviously work in statistics. How how long would it take for you to compile quite a lot of these statistics to be used on a match day, say for the BBC? How long would it take for you to do that throughout a week? Explain the sort of process. So, in sort of, I give you an example. The last game I did before this madness broke was PSG against Dortmund in the in the Champions League, and I knew that I. I got a few weeks' notice from the guy who picks, you know, selects who's doing what game. Probably two to three weeks' notice is always nice. You sort of, there's one thing you can do early on is like a head to head. You can see the many times pitch. You can sort of get that done. It might take you an hour or so. The main crux of it, where we do information on every single player, mm. um, you're probably looking at a good day's work for each yeah. team. Uh, but what you'll end up doing then is you sort of get it all done. Uh, in the week but for a midweek game they then play their league games on a Saturday so you have to go back to it and update everything and then you've got to check it all to make sure it goes mm. nothing worse and I've been in that situation where you've put something in your stat pack and they've, the commentator trusts you like they should yep. and, they, and they read it out and you think actually that doesn't sound right yeah. so you've got, to, you've got to check your work over and over again so I reckon it's a good two and a half to three days to compile a, a pack for a single match yeah yeah and on what commentators would you work with would you work with a select group or would you get chosen that or that person be picked for that match day say two or three days beforehand yeah that that commentator will be chosen not not based on I think there are one or two commenters who in particular may want to work with a particular stats guy because they like the way he works but generally mm. generally there's not a connection between yeah. the two yeah um but I've worked with them, some great commentators, Peter Drury and Ian Dark, Jim Proudfoot, oh, Martin Tyler. And some of them will do a lot of their own prep. Someone yeah. like Peter Drury and Martin Tyler yeah. will do a lot of their own prep. Not to take some away from the guys who don't, but I think some commentators mm-hmm. do a lot more of their own prep than others. Uh, but the guy, those guys are absolutely incredible. Well, that was my next question. What is it like working with those guys? Because Peter Drury is just a maestro with words. And, and Martin Tyler is just, I know, he's just a legend of football, isn't he? Yeah, their 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 retain, retention of information is incredible. Their memory recall is incredible. Um, I'll be watching a game, and we're lucky we have a con- we have a headset. We can contact them. We'll be at a studio in Uxbridge in mm. Middlesex, and they'll be doing a game at Turf Moor in Burnley. And obviously, we're lucky that we can just by the press of a, a button, we can be in contact with them. I might have seen something where I would say, "Oh, that goal was very similar to." that goal he scored four years ago and most of them will go always politely always politely got that but yeah I remember that myself they remember everything they're almost statisticians themselves mm. mm-hmm. but they're what they do, I've done a very small bit of commentary um what they do is is amazing absolutely absolutely I, I find it quite strong I had Guy Mowbray on uh, a previous podcast and I, okay. I, Guy's one of my heroes um, certainly growing up I mean I'm not an England fan but I love his commentary on Match of the Day 
you know, I love him following the England team. And he was telling me that some of the, the, the kind of skills and things that he did, like he would, if you hadn't watched a team for a while, and I think he did this in a, a thing with uh, Chris Stark off Radio 1, he would actually sit and play a game of FIFA with the two teams in question to kind of remind himself of the sort of tal- uh, kind of talents that some of these players had. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's what you sort of do with what you... Um, maybe do or I'm not too sure but it's just a way it's how these people do different things to memorise these things I mean I think I was listening to something that um, Clive Tilsley had done as well um, which was which was he would have you know actually an A4 sheet of like three or four different things that are connected to each player that he would try and cherry pick throughout a live game and it's quite extraordinary some of the the, the diversity of work that people will do for these things and I, I guess it is horses for courses isn't it it's, 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 it I like, also like the way we're intrinsically linked with these guys like not saying they rely on us but it's mm. great to know that what one great thing in our job is you will spend a while researching a particular stat that has taken you a while and you put it in your stat pack and they read it out on television to yeah. X million people. Now you don't know whether they've done that research for themselves. Yeah. They're never gonna. They're not gonna name. We're not here for name checks. Mm. Don't need them to say oh, that was done by Johnny Blaine. But to sit there and re- hear them read out stuff that mm. you prepped is great because it it's real. Gives you pride in your work, and you can sit there and go, "Yeah, that was. That's the fruits of my work." Has there ever been a time you've been found out for a stat that's been incorrect? Uh, yes, <laughs> the worst one I ever had. There was a lad whose first name I forget. He was called D'Alessandro and he played for Portsmouth, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, he scored a goal against Charlton, and for some reason, I put in his pack that it was his birthday. I don't know whether I'd miss got the date wrong or seen his date of birth wrong. And the commentator was Ian Crocker said, and D'Alessandro scored on his birthday. And it wasn't. And then they interviewed him. And he's in, the guy's English wasn't great anyway. Mm. I think he's got a hat trick or one or two, oh, maybe. Jesus. And after the game, he went, and oh, what a great way, you know, to do it on your birthday. And he's sort of there going, mm, what? No, it's not my birthday. <laughs> um, it was only a match of the day game, so I didn't see it. But or it was a football first game on Sky, whatever they called it. And I only saw it when I watched it back that evening. And I was like, uh-oh. And Crocker was very, he was like, let it happen. Yeah, it, it sticks with you for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, that's quite interesting because yeah. I know that a lot of these guys, like yourself and a few others, that do these up to Joe's and things like that. They they do a lot of time and a lot of effort to do these things. I mean, I'm I'm into Scottish football. Quite a lot of my podcasts is about Scottish football, and I I follow SBFL stats and a lot of other people. There's a guy I know in Northern Ireland called Marshall Gillespie who does a lot of stuff there. And no, these guys. They, they treat it like their day job. I mean, obviously, it's a day job for yourself, but you know, they, they treat it like it's their own their, their own child, really. And I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I also I do follow Queen of the South as well. If you want to do some Scottish, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, come on to we'll do a little bit of that in a minute. But um, have you got any sort of incredible stats you'd like to share on here? The one I always like the most, and it all sort of kind of shows what we what we do really and how. We have to react pretty quickly. When Vincent Company scores what effectively won City the title last season against Leicester. Yeah, the absolute screamer from 30 yards. <laughs> from 30 yards. Um, it was the first time he'd had a shot on target in the Premier League for nearly six years from outside the box. Um, so I, something in my head just went, he doesn't shoot from there very often. Mm. So I just went, had a quick look. Could we get access to the Opt database? I had a quick look. 
how many times Vincent companies shot from outside the box? Not very often. Mm. How many times have you ever shot on target from outside the box? Even less often. <laughs> Even less often. And I, and I just noticed it was the first time in five and a half years that he'd had a shot mm. from outside the box that was on target. And it was a super um, goal as well, because as you said, effectively won City the league. And, you know, you, we talk about Liverpool at the moment, you know, the, this coronavirus outbreak that's happening at the moment, it unfortunately might prevent them winning the league, which would be horrendous from their point of view. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, I mean, as a United fan, I don't want them to win anything. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it would be grossly unfair if they, they didn't get the opportunity to they, finish the they, season out. They They've broken so many records. Mm. Um, most home wins, longest, most successive wins. Didn't quite become the Invincibles. They've broken so many records. I mean, I think, um, but yeah, I mean, I think Crystal Palace are the last Premier League team to beat them at Anfield. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's. I mean, that's that's quite a few. Well, twenty seventeen. I think it was twenty sixteen. Yeah, it's remarkable. Work. It was remarkable. Remarkable what they've done. There was a game where we Spurs beat them at Wembley, three uh, one or four one. Clock took Lovren mm, off. Yes, I remember that game. That was a game. I and think Kane had another superb game that day. It was fantastic. They all were. That's when we were absolutely flying. Mm, I remember two that teams, game. I know we, got, we did get to the Champions League final. Yes, but the two teams sort of have gone different ways since then. They sold Coutinho, uh, which was a m- massively brave step, but used the money wisely mm-hmm. and refreshed their squad. There's a stat going around that Spurs had nine players still playing at the club from that game. Mm-hmm. Liverpool have got four, yeah. something similar. So some people don't want Liverpool to win the league, but nobody can deny No, them. absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I have to ask this, because this is mentioned on your Twitter profile. You once bought Andre Arshavin some toothpaste. <laughs> I did. Do elaborate, because um, I'm delighted about this story. <laughs> I, in between working for Sky and what I do now, I worked very briefly for about a year for a football agent. Um, I wouldn't advise anybody to do that, by the way. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible time. Um, but the one big deal that my boss at the time did was bringing Andre Arshavin over from um, Zenit. Mm-hmm. It was an incredible deal to be involved in it. Started in December of that year and rolled on all the way till February. The Premier League got an extra day because of the snow. Um, and when he came over, he didn't know anybody. He was staying up the road from where I lived in St Albans. And my boss turned around to me and went, can you look after Andre for a week? And I was like, yeah, of course I can. So I used to go and pick him up, took him shopping, played FIFA with him. Um, and we went shopping one day, the first day in St Albans town centre, and despite being an extremely wealthy footballer, made me buy everything for him in boots, uh, which included toothpaste. Wow. He'd never seen English toothpaste before, he claimed, wow. and I had to buy it for him. Yeah, yeah he was a really nice fella, yeah. to be fair. Well, let, well, let's 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 have a little to chat about Arshava because the first thing I think of Andre Arshavin is two things: one, the gloves. He was one of the very first English football players I saw every game wearing gloves. When in the matches, even when it was sunny weather, he'd always be wearing gloves. And secondly, for the four goals against Liverpool, the four goals. Yeah, he was he was a, an unbelievable footballer. Um, from what I remember, working or, or look, I didn't look after him, but hanging around with him ultimately, he was a bit. Of a, he was like a child. Yeah, he really. What he was quite an immature guy, lovely guy, um, but totally 
like an alien in New York. Like he just, mm. it, it was almost like like a film where he picked something off the shelf and smell it. Like, oh, I've never seen yeah. this before. Um, did he under Did he underachieve as a football player? Um, in your opinion. Yeah, I think he probably did. Uh, maybe not underachieve is a harsh phrase. Maybe not fulfil his full potential, maybe. I think he, with respect to Arsenal, and I say that as a Tottenham fan, I think he could, for the ability he had, have mm. gone to Real, Barca, one of the Bayern, one of the really, yeah. really, really top players. I could have I seen him stayed... fitting in a Bayern Munich. I could have seen him fitting yeah. in Germany. Because yeah, the players like Lewandowski and that that sort of movement between those guys, I think he would have been very very strong in that. Been great. Yeah. He stayed at Zenit probably too long. They never yeah. wanted to get rid of him. No. And I remember when the I remember when the deal was happening. Mm. You you sort of get okay. Well, the the manager has said he can leave, but you've now got to ask the permission of the general manager. Yeah. The general manager says he can leave, but you've got to ask the president. Well, the president says he can leave, but you've got to ask the president of Ukraine. Yeah. The president of Ukraine says he can leave, but you've got to ask the president of Gazprom. But there were so many they did not want to let him go. Yeah. And I think yeah. he stayed at Zenit maybe two seasons too long. Yeah. Well, I was, I, was, I was just looking at this just now, and I, I was trying to remember if he played in the UEFA Cup final against Rangers, and I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, back yeah, in, to, back, it was the last year before it was the UEFA Cup, um, because it then went to the Europa League the, follow, the, the season after that. Because um, I remember that um, Pavel Pogrebniak was playing around about that yeah. time as well, uh, before he yeah. went, of course, to the Premier League. And I think um, Pavlyuchenko may have been playing for Spurs or just at the end of it or, or just was about to move to Spurs around about that time we're just about to yeah yeah because I'm pretty sure our Chavin made his debut against Bradford in the Intertoto Cup wow uh, here we go yeah he made his debut yeah I'm just seeing that 2000 crumbs yeah <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm all, another goal I always remember him scoring is the one on the counter attack against uh, Barcelona in the Champions League. Um, that was a really, really good goal. The Arshavin goal against Barcelona. The one he scores on the counter attack against in the Champions League. Yeah, that was a very yeah. good, a very tidy finish. He was a top, top player. Yeah, but it, it's it's quite amazing, and that's that's quite a fine, a, a really fine story to hear. But I mean, was there any other players that you feel? around about your time we, we talked about players that underachieved or maybe not fulfilled their potential was there anybody that shines out for you at Tottenham that didn't do that who, who didn't they achieve did, who, didn't, who didn't achieve their full potential um, players that didn't achieve their full potential there's a lot of good players around about the, the sort of 2000 arguably Ledley King if yeah. he stayed fit Ledley King if he'd stayed fit wouldn't have been playing for Tottenham for his entire career hmm he may have, like he may have wanted to be a one-club man, but I suspect he'd have been picked off by United. Yeah. Had he not played 15 games yeah. a season, um, so you could argue that he didn't fulfil his potential, but that wasn't his fault. No, I agree. Uh, currently, I think I said it earlier, the guy we signed, Tongi and Dombele, 56 million is an mm. un most unbelievable talent. Yeah. Most un but he's played 300 minutes of football under Mourinho because he's so unfit. Um, I remember when we signed the, the, tw the two boys, Simon Davies and Matthew Etherington. From yeah, under the Etherington, nose yes, Man yes, Knight. yes. Yeah. I remember Etherington especially. Yeah. Uh, Simon Davies, for me, didn't fulfil mm. his full potential. He was a wonderful footballer. There's one guy who was rattling in my mind who I thought might have done a little bit better, and that was Christian Zieger. Um, I thought he <laughs> might have done a little bit better at Tottenham. 
Um, but I always remember Spurs, you know, they had some quality goalkeepers like Brad Friedel. You know, the guy is an absolute legend of Premier League football. To, to have got him in the twilight of his career, I think he played till 41, 42. I mean, what a good, what a good, goal, what a good goalkeeper. Um, Lloris at the moment, you know, fairly solid. Although has his faults. Lloris fairly solid, but has his faults at times. You know, I like him. I like Lloris. The problem with goalkeepers, as I'm sure you well know, is they could have the greatest 89 minutes of their career, but they throw one in at the end. Yeah. But a striker can miss five chances in a game. He sort of gets away with it. Yeah. Um, but he's a World Cup winning captain. I mean, he made an absolute yeah. Hallix in the final. Um, I think we'd struggle to do better. We mentioned strikers earlier on. There is one striker I did uh, forget. Jermaine Defoe, who has obviously been ripping up in Scottish football. What, what's your kind of memories of Jermaine Defoe? Um, my mates always ripped me for this because I wasn't his biggest fan. Really? Interesting. No. He, i tell you what it was with him. I love people like Berbatov, Keane, mm. Sheringham, that sort of classy... Yeah. Defoe was an absolutely phenomenal finisher. You can't deny that. But I didn't... It's funny, like, I almost would, I didn't enjoy watching him. Mm. So that was the difference. Obviously, he would score so many goals and ultimately that's what it's about but he was never a favourite of mine just because I didn't he was very metronomic for me it's Messi over Ronaldo because I think Ronaldo is I agree. a bit more Ronaldo's robotic unbelievable yeah. but Messi glides and that sort of stuff yeah. not that I'm putting Defoe in that bracket but I want to watch Berbatov yeah. I want to watch Sheringham I want to watch I always have this argument with my mates about who's who's better between Messi and Ronaldo. And the way I separate it is this: I think Messi is the better technically gifted individual player. Ronaldo is sorry, Ronaldo is the better technically individual player, but Messi, you know, is a team player that has wicked individual touches, and that's how I would separate them. Um, but Ronaldo, he's, he's he's done it across many leagues. Messi's done it at Barcelona. And that, I don't think I don't think you can. I don't. I think you're more and more struggling to make that. Just judgment of yes or no between the two of them because there's so many variables to think about. If you put Ronaldo in the Everton team, he'd still score 50 goals. Yes. If you put Messi in it, if you put Messi in it, would he still get 50? I don't know. But I if I had two tickets and you said you can go that way to watch Messi or you can go that way to watch Ronaldo, I'd take the ticket to watch so Messi. So would I, because I think he's just an absolute magician on the ball. I mean, I was, I was, I was sending a few YouTube videos to a friend of mine the other day, and his goal against Bayern Munich. I mean, wow! I mean, to dance past the defenders and then just clip it over. Well, he, he, he threw the ball past Boateng's legs, didn't he? and then or fell on Stevie's pants and then just chipped over Neuer. I mean, that's just an unbelievable. Incredible! Goal, it was my, on my bucket list to see him play live, yeah. and we were fortunate enough we played him in the Champions League last season, mm. and he. Just tore us apart. But yeah. We, I left. We lost four two, but I left happy. Yeah. Like I watched the maestro. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fantastic. Um, we're we're obviously at this sort of intermission at the moment uh, through no fault of ourselves with this coronavirus. What have you made of the Premier League season this year? Because Liverpool have been the class of the field. Um, we have probably a reasonably set top four, although. There's a couple of other places maybe to be filled. The bottom of the league has been pretty entertaining for most of it. What you, what's your thoughts? Uh, as we discussed, Liverpool absolutely runaway leaders and rightly so. Um, it's a shame there's been no title race. Mm. Everybody loves a title race. It's, I think the relegation will go on and on. I think there's been a little bit of a dip in quality in the last few years. Mm. You look at 
Tottenham, you look at Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal. It look, it's great to see Sheffield United and Wolves. Absolutely. And Leicester. What Sheffield United are doing. And Leicester, yeah. Yeah. And what Sheffield United and Wolves are doing is absolutely brilliant. Nothing short of phenomenal, uh, in my opinion. Pardon, nothing, nothing short of phenomenal, especially for Sheffield United. Sheffield United. You could argue Wolves get a lot of help uh, financially. Sheffield United, he's got this basically a squad of British players that he's just got tactically so aware. Yeah. Um, they, for me, if it wasn't for Klopp, if City had won the league this season or Liverpool had won it but not at Canter, I, you think Chris Wilder would probably get Definitely. 100% City. agree. Yeah. Uh, but it has, to, it has to go to Klopp. It has to. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been a good season. There's not been many for me standout matches or moments. It's not been a classic mm. Premier League no. season. Hopefully, we get back to it at some point. Mm. Um, is it is it is that for you just? almost in, in, an indictment to what's gone before it because there's that there's that standard that market to make the Premier League the sort of the, the, the best league in the world and you know it's very hard to keep reaching that sort of marker every season you look at other leagues I mean the German league is you know really between Munich and Dortmund and maybe Leipzig most seasons the Italian league's been probably very interesting this year France has just been Paris and a couple of other teams is, is it very tough for the English league to just keep Reaching for that, you no know, top bracket every season. Yeah, I think it's, I think so. Um, the Leicester season was just you know, a, a one-off, I'd imagine. Oh, that was superb um, that season. <laughs> but at the same time, it's great that Liverpool will be a new name on the, on the trophy. Are you in the um, opinion that the season will finish itself out? Yeah, I think I believe it will. Yeah, behind closed doors or when it recommences to be safe for fans to go to. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they started behind closed doors. Mm. Uh, when that will be, God only knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the the, the, the battle for, for Europe is very interesting. You know, I, I, I said at the start of the season, I actually fancied Leicester as an outside bet to get in the top four. Um, I didn't expect them to be in the mix at the stage. I've got to admit that. What have you made of Brendan Rodgers since he's come in? He's another one who divides opinion, but his energy's great. I think he's a fantastic manager. I was surprised he didn't. Arsenal didn't go for him. No, so was I. Um, I think he'd have done very well. I think he's a top manager, top top manager. I was even more, I was even more surprised Arsenal didn't go for Ancelotti. Well, that was a weird one. You thought Arteta would maybe go to Everton and Ancelotti would yeah. uh, go to Arsenal, but maybe uh, I think Arsenal did. Looking back, Everton have done well out of it as well. Mm. But I think Arsenal might be on the right path there with Arteta. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, Rodgers is. You could, you could look at what he did at Celtic and say, well, anybody could do. I don't believe that personally. But he go. He, he's a successful manager. Yeah. I think he could well move on up upwards from Leicester. Yeah. I think he needed to rebuild his career, obviously, have yeah. being so close to winning the league with Liverpool. Obviously, he kind of rebuilt it at Celtic. And as an Aberdeen fan, you know, I have, I've, we've been on the end of some really heartbreaking defeats and cup finals and stuff like that to, to uh, obviously, Celtic going on to win trebles. But, you know, you can't deny his impact in Scottish football has been nothing short of sensational, especially for Celtic. No, no, but. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know whether a team like Arsenal looked at him and went, mm, can we take someone from Celtic? Do mm. we look at this as a... Is it the right step? Mm. 
but Leicester took the step and have been yeah they were right to do so yeah I mean there's other teams that have we, we mentioned Sheffield United I think Wolves have been superb this season we've said that as well uh, are there any teams that have disappointed you this season West Ham got to be up that list Tottenham. <laughs> well, Tottenham. Yeah, well, said that. I think West Ham have been uh, a major disappointment, especially after a good start. Yeah, but their problem is they they're not backed properly. They buy sort of players who have run down their contracts elsewhere. They can afford to pay the wages. They don't necessarily pay the big transfer fees. They, they, Pellegrini got it all wrong for me. Yeah, I overloaded agree. in attack, overloaded in attack with players that he didn't need, and they're we talked about the stadium right at the top. Their stadium move has been a disaster. Mm. It definitely has. Yeah, definitely. There's no there's no tough games at West Ham anymore. No, not 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 really. Not not over the course of a whole season. I would agree with not that. Like yeah. it, not like it used no, to be. Go, go, I always thought Manchester United going to uh, Upton Park or the the Balloon Ground as it used to be called. That was always a tough game. I always hated seeing United go to West Ham. It was always a very tough game. Yeah, a horrible game. And West Arsenal was, have also disappointed. But then all these teams are disappointed, changed their managers around about the same yeah, time. They did. So, they did. Um, just yeah. looking at the bottom three at the moment, obviously Norwich, Villa, Bournemouth in there at the moment. If the season gets back, when the se- if and hopefully when the season gets back underway, do you expect that three to go down? Yeah. You do, yeah, do you think it'll change? No, I can't see Norwich getting out of it. They play good football, but arguably they're want to stop playing good football and be a little bit more ugly and direct Villa they got Grealish is fantastic mm. but I don't think they've got enough and I think Bournemouth Bournemouth I think Watford will be okay mm. West Ham will be okay I worry for Brighton I mean, that's what yeah I worry Brighton, for Brighton again similar to Norwich you sort of got them playing nice football but it hasn't helped them really yeah um, I think everyone from Southampton upwards is safe. I mean, Southampton have had a bit of a bad run. They've lost four of the last five before this this intermission. But, you know, they they kind of turned the ship around, especially after getting humbled by Leicester early in the season. I mean, that was a huge shocker. But you look at, you mentioned Watford. You know, I'm a big fan of Nigel Pearson. You know, I I think he gets very underestimated the work he did to keep Leicester up the previous season before Ranieri took over. It was the catalyst, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, so Watford to win the title next year. <laughs> well, if you're going to give me odds on that one, I'd be surprised. But my biggest worry for Watford is if they did go down, they're not going to be able to keep your Delafeos, your Ducouris, you know, players of this world, and Perea especially, and loads of others. I'm surprised Ducouris is still there. I'm surprised Troy Deeney is still there, because uh, I think Deeney yeah. is a quality player. And he's a leader. They're a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. Very good goalkeeper. Ben Foster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We mentioned yeah. a bit of a bit of Scottish football there early on. We talked a bit about Queen of the South. What's your connections with them? Um, when I was younger, six, seven, probably around about the time I was getting into football, my dad said, "You've got to pick us." My dad always followed Hamilton Academical. Okay, interesting. Um, just, just randomly, and he said, "You've got to pick a Scottish team." So I, we were listening to the scores one Saturday afternoon and Queen of South drew five all at home to someone and that triggered my interest. I liked the name. They'd yeah. drawn five all. I just went with it. And when I, I used to just follow them. And when I was at university in Leeds, me and a couple of friends used to go and watch them. We used to drive up all the way to Dumfries um, and just go and watch them. And I've all, I, I just love following mm-hmm. cricket teams uh, rugby teams not so much but I always love having a sports yeah. team that I sort of yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a passionate fan like yeah. if they lose it doesn't it doesn't bother me all mm. weekend yeah. but 
I'm always looking out for them and yeah, it's just a team I've always followed and of course they beat Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup yeah, semi-finals. Well, yeah, please don't <laughs> please don't remember me about that. I was uh, I I almost went to that game. I had a ticket and then I actually fell ill a couple of days before and I gave my ticket up to so I actually stayed at home. I actually felt a bit better, watched the game and then I felt bloody <laughs> ill again after watching the game. But I mean I mean that there was that was a that was a cracking game. I think that was two thousand and seven or eight. Um it was quite a few years ago now, but that was they were a good side, Queen you say. I mean I mean they're not having the best of season in the championship a second bottom um, but they, they 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 have a lot of really interesting players they have a guy they used to have a guy called Stephen Doby I'm not sure if he's still there he, he scored loads of there. goals yeah, he scored there. loads of goals but uh, yeah. they're a side that I always keep an eye on it's, 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 you mentioned about following teams I, I'm like that up in Scotland you know I, I mean Aberdeen's my, my premiership team but I love seeing the North clubs do well so I always keep an eye on Ross County's progress Inverness Cali Thistle's progress and then you've got Peterhead and Elgin in that area and I always want to see those teams do well. I mean, I'm not really worried about... I mean, obviously, Celtic and Rangers are class acts down the bottom. But, or down in Glasgow, obviously. But, you know, you obviously want to see the North teams do well. And, and when Aberdeen do get a result against a, a Celtic or a Rangers, it is euphoria up here. Because, you know, because sure. it's a bit it's a bit like Spurs beating Barcelona or Real Madrid. It's, yeah. it's like something you never see happening. Or very rarely yeah. see happening. Yeah, I, I do. I, I used to work on Scottish football when I was at Sky. I wish Celtic would let someone else have a go. <laughs> um, but it's not their fault. No, you know, it's, it's not, not their, their fault. fault. No, it's not their fault at all. And I, um, I, I, I was really frustrated as an Aberdeen, Aberdeen fan. Sort of when Ronnie Dyla was around and Celtic were going through a really patchy spell. I think Aberdeen were eight points clear at one point. And Terry right, McInnes yeah. came out. It was 2015, I think. And that was the year that I felt that Aberdeen missed their chance. They they should have went for it in the transfer window. Um, they would have never. Had, it was a bit like the Leicester scenario. They were never going to get a better chance to win the league. I think they should have gone all out for it and spent money on a couple of play, players. If it didn't work, well, at least they gave it a shot, and then they could have gone back to some sort of level of third or fourth. But they missed their chance, and obviously the Rangers not in the league. You know that gave them a better chance. But to 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 fall so far behind at the end. Must have been a major disappointment, but that's my opinion. Um, Look, we had that. We had that with the Leicester season. Well, that was what I was going to say. I mean, that Leicester season, you know, he obviously fell apart at Stamford Bridge, the TT game. But it was a weird season because Leicester just kept ticking over, and other teams tripped themselves up. People say that Spurs finished third in the two horse race. Spurs were actually never top at any nope, stage in the season. Certainly one. No. Arsenal for me. Arsenal should have won that league, that title. Definitely. They beat Leicester. They beat Leicester in, I think it was Valentine's they Day. They beat them twice, didn't they? They were the only team to beat them twice. Arsenal were top in mid-Feb, and people forget that because it's funnier to laugh at Spurs. Um, yeah. But I think, don't take anything away from Leicester, but I think Arsenal should have won that. that yeah. yeah. If, it, if it wasn't Leicester, it's, for me it wasn't Spurs. I think Arsenal were the team that should have pit Leicester well, have you been to a lot of North London derbies because obviously Spurs and Arsenal yeah. bat matches I, I love watching them because they're always full of goals they're always full of drama Ooh. and there's always the odd instant or two it's, it's funny in North London derby because it is a, for me I wouldn't say it's the, the best rivalry in Celtic Rangers is bigger whatever you want to say but in terms of a, as you say goals North London derby is, is the one but actually in terms of atmosphere Spurs, West Ham, Spurs, Chelsea is always a more mm. fierce than Spurs, yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, every Spurs fan wants to beat Arsenal. I've always said, like, if Arsenal went out of the league, 
I'd missed them. I'd mi- and I, I would actually miss the yeah. rivalry. If West Ham and Chelsea got relegated, I wouldn't mind so much. We're like, we're like, I'm uh, like that up here because obviously Dundee United and Aberdeen are the new firm. Um, obviously the Celtic Rangers old firm so there's a bit of a rivalry between ourselves and Dundee United Dundee United have been in the doldrums for a few seasons now in the championship they look like they're going to win the championship and come back up unless you know what happens with uh, COVID-19 but you know we want I personally would like to see Dundee United back up in the top flight because we, that rivalries those those head to head matches they get the blood pumping and it's really really exciting especially the games at Tanadice at Pataudry they're good matches and fans yeah. want to see them and people want to watch the games and it really really is yeah. we've not had Arsenal at the new stadium yet mm. um, we've lost to West Ham we've lost to Chelsea mm. um, we were supposed to play West Ham Friday night just gone Yeah. obviously that that didn't happen that would have been by the way Spurs West Ham on a Friday night don't know whose bright idea that was <laughs> <laughs> um, it's probably a good thing that didn't happen yeah yeah um, but no, that's a real fierce... I mean, we are... West Ham and Chelsea, with Tottenham as their team, this mm. is the rival. Yeah. Uh, if despise us. Mm. Uh, but obviously, no, Spurs, Arsenal. I actually hate watching those games. Yeah. Uh, I'm a nervous watcher. Mm. Uh, but no, it's great. Great to be... To have the opportunity to go. And your favourite moment in those North London games, the one that stands out for me is that 4-4 game at the Emirates. You know, the, the <laughs> Lennon 4-4. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't there, but a friend of mine was there. And if you look at the away, most of them had gone home. Uh, but he stayed um, till the very end. My favourite North London derby that I've been to, probably the last one at White Hart Lane, just because it was we beat them, Kane scored twice. Um and it was a real sort of confirmation yeah okay we're, we're better than you now um, and the atmosphere was just incredible do you have a lot Kane, of what, do you have any Arsenal mates that you wind up a lot, a lot <laughs> absolutely and they've been they've been giving it to me rightly for 20 30 years uh, and it's been my turn but we've got nothing to show for it but we do finish above them mostly now which yeah, is nice yeah. but Kane's Kane's got this Indian sign over them as well, mm. um, which is nice. He always scores in the derby. So, is your biggest yeah. worry that Kane moves on to say United or any other team of Madrid or something like that to look for someone? I can't see him. I can't see him moving to another Premier League team. Um, I, I believe you know, there's no loyalty in football, but I genuinely mm. believe he is a Tottenham fan. Mm. He's loyal to Tottenham. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see him going to United or City. I just can't. If he went to Real Madrid, I'd have absolutely no issues with it. Yeah. Be a shame. Oh, absolute shame. But he deserves to go and win something. Yeah, yeah. But I, I actually, I actually, if it goes well with Mourinho, I can see him being at Spurs for the rest of his career. Mm. If it looks like Mourinho might be a bit of a dud, he would, probably will leave. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll certainly watch that with uh, progress. Um, Johnny, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but there, I have one last question to ask you. Where do you see yourself going in the next three, four, five years down the line? Because the stuff you're doing is very niche and, and very interesting, and it will always be a market for it. I hope so, yeah. Um, I hope to just continue what I'm doing, building my sport, small little business and being the sort of... There's a few of us. There's, there's a number of employed football stats guys at Sky and there's a few of us self-employed and I hope to always be one of the go-to guys that people go to and trust it's all about trust mm. um, it's a very difficult job 
to maintain. Um, you've got to build up trust, and I believe I've done that, and, and hopefully that will continue. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I w- really wish you all the best. Um, please keep safe during this coronavirus mates, outbreak yeah. at the moment. Um, take care, and thanks for being a guest on the Campbell well, podcast. God. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time... I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.